the covid policy window in conversation with manish sambarwal chairman and co-founder teamly services september 2020 cries for mega reforms have been coming for years from various sources critics argue that the current government has lagged expectations on reform initiatives while others point to the fact that it has progressed in a number of structural areas that were hopped by years of neglect and inefficiency as a young nation seeks bolder stronger and more effective change some believe the covid-19 crisis offers a unique policy window to rectify long standing pain points and reimagine the future however effective reform is not merely about knowing what to do but as much about how to do it In this podcast, Mani Sambarwal, chairman and co-founder of Teamly Services, India's largest staffing and human capital firm, provides a perspective on the policy challenges facing India, the mechanics of the process, the obstacles and the possible way forward. The current environment worrisome. A question that has often haunted policymakers, entrepreneurs and investors is Are we being good ancestors to our future generations? This question has only gained prominence in today's pandemic situation. Getting a sense of its trajectory would help differentiate between the short and long-term issues that require attention. The pandemic has forced the average Indian to adopt a more organic and substantial way of life. This can do wonders for the environment, but ironically may also lead to the paradox of thrift. While 10% of India's cognitive elite enjoy the luxury of working from home, the same is not feasible for the remaining 90% of the labor force, which includes not just blue-collar workers but also those in sales, customer support and logistics, the three fastest growing segments of India's labor market. Currently, a rupees 3 trillion GST shortfall and a 12% fiscal deficit are the biggest pain points of the Indian economy. In the short run policy makers will grapple with two other challenges first the need to borrow capital effectively from future generations and second to ensure that the disease does not lead to a debt crisis unemployment does not breed hunger and working capital problems do not trigger mass bankruptcy given the frugality of the indian welfare state fiscal and monetary policies are often expected to produce miraculous results however It is critical that short-term measures such as regulatory forbearance, a reduction in interest rate and liquidity management for financial institutions should prove to be more than just painkillers for the economy. The manner in which companies and investors balance the next quarter will decide whether they have succumbed to or surmounted COVID-19. A bird's eye view would suggest that unemployment is a big issue, but the numbers actually prove otherwise. Unemployment jumped from 8% in March to 28% in April but dropped back to 8% in June. The real problem is one of wages and productive employment. Given the realities of India's labor markets, an emergency triage approach may not work. Instead, the focus should be on long-term structural reforms to increase the productivity of regions, corporations and individuals. This will help create productive and better paid jobs. India has 63 million enterprises of which 12 million lack an office and 12 million operate from home. 
Further, there are 12 million GST registrants, but only 70,000 of them have revenues of more than rupees 5 crores. And only 22,500 companies have a paid-up capital of more than rupees 10 crores. This results in a highly skewed distribution of jobs. The three windows of opportunity. COVID-19 has paved the way for three crucial windows of opportunity, structural, global, and policy. It has become apparent that the recent courage and ambition demonstrated in politics, the abrogation of Article 370, going after black money and programs such as Swachh Bharat and Ujwala, has not been replicated in economics. The reasons are threefold. First, it is easier to demonstrate courage in politics because politics is the home turf of politicians. Second, is the government's somewhat disappointing experience with the lateral entry program, which sought to bring in specialists from the private sector. Third, in the current political scenario, urgent issues have been crowding out the important ones. Structural window. Fundamental changes are underway in the world of work within organizations and the field of education. Work relationships have shifted dramatically from lifetime contracts to taxicab relationships. Meanwhile, the average life expectancy of a Fortune 500 company has fallen from 64 to 15 years, which almost nullifies pension benefits. In the world of education, soft skills now matter more than hard ones, and the traditional model of 25 years of learning and 25 years of employment is no longer relevant. In the next two years, the number of employees in long-distance slash correspondence courses will surpass the number of people pursuing formal full-time education. However, these changes act in India's favor, being one of the few countries that has two decades worth of rapid growth ahead of it, India has immense opportunities available to it. Global window. In a world of abundant capital and zero or negative interest rates, India remains a relatively attractive investment destination. Consequently, in the last six months, foreign exchange reserves have risen by around $60 billion and the RBI has tweaked its exchange rate actions in line with these changes. Policy window. If India's past reform efforts have taught us anything, it is that effective reform is not merely about knowing what to do, but also how to do it. A number of reforms were implemented during the 1991 policy window, but certain important ones may have been missed out, which now deserve attention. Compliance reforms. Out of a total of 67,000 compliances that businesses must adhere to, some 18,000 may lead to criminal prosecution. These have not really helped improve India's compliance infrastructure. In this regard, it is always important to be aware of the transmission laws between how a law is written, interpreted, practiced and enforced. Ultimately, compliance reforms might just be the strategy that improves India's ease of doing business and attracts factory refugees from China. Labor reforms. To be truly effective, labor reforms will need to be both broad and deep, and the multiple contradictions in the law need to be corrected. For instance, there are today 17 definitions of workers, 18 definitions of wages and 21 definitions of enterprise. India is also the only country that prescribes social security for provident fund and ESI for every worker irrespective of their tenure with the company. 
while four labor codes as currently proposed are better than 44 laws what would be even better is to just have one unified code education reforms there is a strong case for promoting vocational training side by side with a purely academic education Mahatma Gandhi proposed this as far back as 1938, but vocational training has not figured prominently in any of India's previous education policies. However, the new education policy of 2020 is a ray of hope, offering a 15-year roadmap for creativity, innovation, and multidisciplinary independence, Poon Swaraj, for universities and schools, and various options for vocational training. Banking reforms. India needs to sustainably raise its very low credit-to-GDP ratio through four measures. First, it needs greater competition in the banking sector. India had 94 banks in 1924, 97 in 1947, and 95 today. Clearly, the number of banks has not kept pace with the size and growing complexity of the economy. Second, the governance of PSU banks needs to be fixed. The shareholders in this segment, that is the government, are more powerful than boards and management. Conversely, in private sector banks, it is the CEOs that are more powerful while boards and shareholders are weak. Third, drastic improvements are required in regulation and supervision at the RBI. Lastly, the distinction between banks and non-banks need to be removed. Doing this will help achieve the RBI's target of 1 billion digital transactions a day. Governance reforms. The fiscal strain between the central and state government is evident. Yet for the first time since independence, the budget allocated to the states, rupees 37 trillion, is higher than that of the center, rupees 29 trillion. 29 chief ministers matter more than one prime minister, but in terms of urban governance and even job creation, 200 mayors matter more than 29 chief ministers. While much has been achieved, far more needs to be done in terms of devolving funds, functions and functionaries away from Delhi. The urban governance system is in dire need of reform. Empowered, decentralized local governments would go a long way towards driving investment and job creation. China's mayoral system, which pushes the mayors of 200 large cities to compete for investments, is a good example. While such a model may not be feasible in India, a reform commission comprising of representatives from the civil services, local government and industry would help rid the system of the regulatory cholesterol that impedes progress. The way forward. The COVID-19 cloud may have a silver lining in the context of policy reforms. There is a serious proposal to make EPF contributions voluntary, which would be a boon for the working class and simultaneously help the economy. India must also aim to reduce the number of compliances by 70%, do away with multiple labor laws, issue more bank licenses and migrate from Delhi-centric policies to state-centric ones. At another level, India may have the world's largest gig economy, but what it needs is less self-employment, which is often only marginal in nature, and more wage employment. Moreover, what it is needed is not 63 million separate enterprises, but enterprises that are productive enough to pay a decent wage. Finally, when it comes to driving economic reforms, it is important to realize that the solution lies not just in rejigging democracy, but in overhauling the civil services. 
and aspirational india is today willing to endure some short term pain for long term gains a fact that both the government and the civil services must internalize as they strategize for the future